Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Weber's Family. Today I'm talking with my grandfather and he's telling us more about his ship life, you know, some airplanes that he had to get stuff off and on, you know, training and stuff like that. I hope you enjoy, like, and subscribe. What she got today for us? Well, what do you want to know? <clears throat> got any stories you want to tell? Not really. Uh, there was, I mean, we, we left off where uh, we, Mr. Swinehart and I met 30 years later. <laughs> but uh, we talked about boot camp and the, the uh, schools that you could go to. There are so many different schools available for learning everything from learning how to be a secretary all the way up to being an engineer. There's so many available schools. All you have to do is apply for them once you're in the Navy. <clears throat> they will send them to you. They will send them to you free. They will teach you everything you need to know about what you need to know. Uh, there are, do you have other questions, I'm sure? Uh, where would you like to start? Well, you got any stories about your school days? School days? You mean as in high school? Junior high? No, I mean like as like when you went to school for military. Oh, when I went to school. Okay, yeah. Right. Well, there was uh, training that you went through. They, you actually had desk training. You sat down, you had book learning, and then you had hands-on learning on the various different things that you needed to know about. Uh, again, the schools were so, uh, you, you could go to anything. I mean, I've, I, went to, I went to school where they taught me how to handle, disassemble, reassemble firearms. Uh, it was called uh, uh, gunnery class. Uh, it wasn't what I was. Uh, I had already become something else. The uh, different schools that we went to, uh, I learned propulsion systems on ships. Uh, I learned electronic systems on ships. There, there were so many different things to be learned. And uh, I can be so vague about this. If you want to be specific, go ahead and ask specific questions because there's so much to know or learn okay so um housing how was that how's it well there was no such thing as housing uh you lived on the ship i mean not, well even in schools oh in school no 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 i'm terribly sorry no you lived in a it was a barracks uh you had uh your beds you had a, a, a desk area or a, a common area where you could study. Uh, you had showers. Uh, your meals were in a different building altogether. It was called a mess hall <laughs> for various reasons. <laughs> but uh, that, was, that was where you ate. It was called the mess. Uh -huh. It usually was. Uh, the food was for... What people say the food wasn't, the food was. It was very good. It was very nourishing. Uh, you learned uh, there was 
uh, when you once you were put on a ship, you actually had training in the kitchen. You had a a, a three month span in the kitchen where you would learn how to cook, how to prepare meals. For practical purposes, you would make mashed potatoes or you would make scrambled eggs or your, your job was strictly to cook bacon or strictly to cook ham or strictly to scramble eggs. Was there a specific reason for you guys to be back there? Yeah, somebody had to feed people. <laughs> well, I know that, but like, was there like a designated cook for you? There or? was what they called a cook. Yeah, I, and I, the man's name escapes me now, but he was in charge of the kitchen. That's what he did. And he would designate different jobs to each individual. So there was like a head chef there. If you want to call him a chef, yes, you may. <laughs> what are you trying to say? He's not a chef? Yeah, he was... He was a cook, a cook, a very good cook. Uh, gentleman knew what he was doing. Uh, he knew how to prepare foods. He knew how to prepare foods for five thousand people because that's what was on an aircraft carrier at the time. You had your uh, basic complement crew, but then you had the air wing come on. Once you went out to sea, they actually flew the air wing in, and now you had all these people. That had to be fed. Okay, so what is an air wing? An air, I'm sorry. Yes. An air wing is a group of people who were designated for airplanes only. Okay. There was the pilots. There was the mechanics. Uh, we lovingly called them Airedales, which is a dog. But they were actually airmen. The, their job was very, very dangerous. They were up on the flight deck day and night with engines running. Uh, they had to be careful where they walked. Uh, they all had to wear hearing protection because of the noise of the jets. They had to have, uh, you had to stay out of the road. There was backlashes that would come up on the back of the aircraft carrier so that when the jet engine was fired up, the flames did not shoot all over the deck. They went against this back piece so that the airplane could take off. Okay. Now for the airplane to take off, it had a very, very short runway. So it had to be propelled, and it was propelled by a steam piston, which hooked to the front of the plane, that when it was, the steam was triggered, it shot the airplane forward, and when it got to the end of the runway, the piece fell down, and the plane kept going, and that's how they launched them into the air. Oh, interesting. When they came in, they had what they called a resting gear in the back, which were cables that were approximately two inches in diameter, and they stretched across the back of the ship um, in segments. There, I, I forget the number of how many there actually were, but when the plane would come in, it would drop a tail hook, and this tail hook would come down, and it would catch this arresting gear, and this arresting gear had uh, coils on each side, that were springs and it would actually go forward with the airplane and the the pilot once he caught that would give it full energy whatsoever and he would just load it up as hard as he could make this airplane go because if that strap broke and he didn't he would go over the end and fall into the water yikes so once he realized that his plane had been secured he backed the engine down and they got him all put away where he needed to be. Has it ever happened 
to you once? To, to I mean, me, no, I don't fly. I mean, not like to like a person. Like, has that ever happened to you when you were in the Navy? To see it happen? Yeah. Yes. Um, once that coil breaks, it's it's very, very dangerous. It, it, if you were on the deck, it would definitely kill you. It would actually cut you in half. It, it, it's so moving so fast and rewinding so fast and spinning that it would just, any anyone that was in the area would get hurt really bad. Okay. Uh, so don't be around, don't be around one of those. No, don't be, no, no, you don't want to be around one of those. Uh, I was, I was on an air, well, it wasn't my first ship. My first ship was destroyer. I was telling you about with Mr. Swinehart. Uh, I was on an aircraft carrier. It was a, uh, it was called CVA-60. It was USS Saratoga. Uh, the designation stands for CVA. Uh, C stands for carrier. V stands for angle deck because it had an angle deck for the planes to go off as well. And then A stood for attack carrier, which meant it had guns on it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it was C, it was a, a carrier, angle deck, attack carrier. Uh, the sister ship was the USS Farstall CVA-59. The other sister ship was the USS Ranger CVA-61. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I think I got the numbers right. It was 61, 60, and 59. It's it Farstall, Saratoga, and Ranger. Uh, when they took the ship into... Uh, Norfolk, Virginia, while I was on it, they changed it from a CVA to a CVS. Uh, they took all the guns off of it <coughs> and made it a support carrier, which is CVS, Carrier Angle Deck Support. And a support carrier was nothing more than, uh, let's call it a transport, uh, foodstuffs, uh, airplanes uh, just getting stuff from point a to point b anymore it, it didn't have to be in the thick of battle anymore it yeah. was just a carrier that took stuff to people nice uh, so kind of like a supply kind of like a supply airplane? a very big supply ship yeah okay so like <laughs> okay. one of those big one of those like yeah. big it, it's a things. support carrier it, it just gave support to other carriers in the area or destroyers uh any ship that needed something, that if it needed fuel, if it needed, uh, uh, let's just say they were running low on foodstuffs. They could actually transport foodstuffs from the carrier to the ship that needed foodstuffs. Okay. Now uh, I have a question for you. <coughs> have you ever jumped out of a plane in your, in your Navy time into, like, water? Yes. <laughs> you... You sound <laughs> somewhat. Uh, I have made it a rule that once I got out of the Navy, I would never jump out of a perfectly good airplane again. <laughs> Why is that? I will write it down and we will land. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm guessing you, did you have a good experience with it or is it bad? Well, it was a good experience. It was a training experience. It was something that you did uh, when I went to school. I uh, had to go to San Diego. There was 26 weeks of San Diego training. Uh, you went in there and you 
you learned leadership, you learned to follow, you learned to respect, you learned to understand, and most of all, you learned teamwork. Uh, 150 men were in my class. Out of the 150 men, 49 graduated. Now, why is that? The United States Navy SEAL training is very, very tough. Uh, it's very demanding. It's very mental. It's very physical. Uh, you're, the discipline that you have to learn, your mental discipline, your physical discipline is, you, you I can't explain it. You, you have to either be able to do it or not be able to do it. Uh, so there's no try. There's no try, no. So it's like that saying, there's no try, you, can, you do it or you don't? You do it or you don't, correct. Okay. I mean, uh, when you're put in this little rubber boat and there's seven of you in there, there's six roadmen and a coxswain, and his job was to teach you to row, and you all had to work together to go over the waves to get into the water, because if you didn't, the waves would bring you right back into the shore and you had to start over. Well, that must have been exhausting. Yeah, very exhausting. Uh and you did this on a daily basis. Uh, you you learned, you learned the water. Uh, you know how I am uh, with the swimming pool. Uh, I'd spent my time in the water. I, I know the water's wet. I, I get in the swimming pool, what, once a year maybe? Yeah. To help clean it, and that's about it? Yeah, somewhere around that time. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I've seen you do some laps around it a couple you, of times. Yes, I have, but... Uh, you learn to do that. Uh, but again, there's also the other side of it where you have to be, the instructors want you to be perfect. They want you to be, they want you to be the best. Okay. And every morning you would get up in the morning and you would put your uniform on. And when I say uniform, it was actually your dungarees or your whatever you were wearing that day. It was the uniform of the day. It was never ever a dress uniform. The only time you ever did a dress uniform was at graduation. Uh, but you would get into your uniform and you would make it perfect. You would make sure that what's called a gig line. A gig line is that all your buttons are in a row, the buckle on your belt is in a row, and your pant zipper is in a row. Everything is square. Looks perfect. Your shoes are perfect. Everything is perfect. No one ever passed. Everyone failed at one time or another because the instructors would find something wrong. And when you found something wrong, or they found something wrong, they would march you down to the beach. And this happened to everyone. It wasn't just one person. It happened to each and, in every, each and every individual to show that no person is perfect. And they would march you down to the beach and they would march you into the water up to your neck. And then you would walk back out and you would roll around in the sand. And for the rest of the day, you were cold and wet and sandy and you were called a sugar cookie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's something. There was always the midnight swims where they would take you out to the island, uh, San Clemente. They would take you out there and you would do your midnight swim. And they would lovingly tell you 
all the species of sharks that were in the water. <laughs> oh, geez. But, and then they would lovingly say, oh, but we never lost a student to the shark that we're aware of. So, and, so they, and get they you. told you that if you encountered a shark, stand up to the shark, punch it right square in the nose, and keep on swimming. Because you had to swim approximately a mile in the dark. Yikes. And this, this was an everyday thing. Uh, they would march you down. It's somewhere between San Diego and Tijuana. There's a mud slip that flows out into the ocean. And they would take you down there and they would march you into the mud up to your neck. And the wind howling across your head was... It was so cold, the only thing you could really hear were your teeth chattering. And the instructor would say, all we want is five men to quit. So all you got to do, five men just have to quit. And we can all go home. That night, nobody quit. And you had to be there until sunup the following morning. You went back. You got somewhat cleaned up. Somewhat? <laughs> somewhat. And... You went about your business. Uh, they would take you out and they would run you for, when I say run you, they would exercise you on various different exercises, sometimes 24 hours. And then they would bring you back and they'd put you in a building or what, we, what was it, like a Quonset hut or a building. A Quonset hut is nothing more than a, a great big half dome building uh, closed on either end. It was a makeshift barracks assembly during World War II. And some of them were just leftovers or moved around and you used them. And they would take you in there. And it might be 110 degrees outside. And they would take you into this building and they would have the temperature somewhere around 74. And they would sit you down at a desk and they would give you a test. And then they would sit there and put play elevator music. Real soft, lulling elevator music. Oh, and the number of people that fell asleep taking the test is unbelievable. I bet. I probably couldn't even go through it. I'd probably fall, I'd fall asleep even reading a book. But the, the, the beauty of it is, and you, you know how I am, out in the middle of the, cor of the compound was this beautiful brass bell. And all you had to do was walk up and ring it. Mm -hmm. There was no more getting up at 4.30 in the morning. There was no more running around. There was no more walking into the, marching into the water. There was nothing. You went back to being a sailor at whatever you left. And all that ever taught me was never, ever, ever quit. And you know how I am. Yeah, I do. I don't give up on anything. I will not quit. Sadly enough, uh, I didn't ring that bell. And when Long John Silvers was here, they had a bell at the end of the door. And all you had to do was ring the bell to tell them how much you appreciated their dinner. I promised myself I would never, ever ring a bell. And I would walk past that bell and not ring it. You know, Ron, next door, Ron has that bell that he uses to call the cats. I will not ring that bell. I will not do it. 
because that tells me I quit and I won't quit. And you're doing this podcast. I make a suggestion to you that you never quit. Keep at it. Keep doing the best you can. I'll try my best. All right. Uh, we could talk about uh, afterward when I was on the ships. Uh, one of the, you, I don't know what how our what our time frame is here. We can end it. Hmm? So we can end it. Well, we could end it now, and then when we start up next time, I'll have to tell you what your grandmother had to go through just for us to get married. Oh, jeez. All right. Well, because of my, where I was and what I was doing, it was a very, very... We never looked at it as a top-secret job. Okay. It was just something we got up every morning and went and did. Okay. Well, so we'll drop it there. And uh, I'll tell you the story about how what she had to go through just so we could get married. Might have a special guest too. Oh really? Yeah, she might. She might come back in. Who? She, my grandmother might come in. And she's more than welcome to sit, and she can tell you what she had to go through because all I was told was what she had to do. Okay. Well, they, they don't. They didn't tell me her end of the story. Alright guys, that's it. Thank you for listening. Subscribe, like. I'll catch you next time on the next episode.